and welcome. You're listening to an episode of The Accelerator, a podcast that spotlights the stories of local entrepreneurs. My name is Lauren Holverson, and I am the Executive Director of the Dalton Innovation Accelerator. I am joined today by one of my students from Dalton State, Xavier Bryant. Xavier, please take a moment to tell our audience a little bit about yourself. All right. Hello. As My name is Xavier Bryant. I'm a senior management major at Dalton and will be graduating in December, and I'm very honored to be part of this podcast episode. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, Xavier has put this podcast interview together today, and we have got David Renz here, who is a wonderful individual, very involved in our community and an entrepreneur. So I'm actually gonna hand it over to Xavier and David um, and uh, take it from here, guys. Welcome, David, how are you today? I'm great, yourself? Good, uh, can you tell us a little about yourself? Well, uh, I wasn't born in Dalton, but I've been here since I was 12 years old, so I'm the oldest of four boys. We're all from Dalton. Uh, uh, grew up, like I said, grew up here from the, my first job was a paper route here when I was 12 years old. And uh, I've worked in Dalton ever since. Okay. I, uh, I actually grew up in Tunnel Hills. That's a little bit above here. So, but I've come here down here every day for school or for, you know, groceries and the like. So I'm maybe not as knowledgeable as you, but <laughs> call this like my second home. Um, so the next question is, did you t- attend university? Yes, I actually attended a few. Okay. Uh, started off at the University of Georgia and had the first uh, bad thing about young adult life. They didn't ask me to come back in spring of 75. <laughs> I thought you went to school to a party that was in the wrong place, but I, uh, right place to party, wrong place to school. But anyway, but I left there with Young Harris College, and Young Harris was a great school, two-year school. I finished Young Harris and went to uh, Southern Tech, which is Southern Poly now. And then uh, after that, I got a scholarship. I was majoring in textile engineering, and I got a scholarship from Georgia Tech, finished up at Georgia Tech with a textile engineering degree. This is jumping a little forward, but did you receive any type of um, academic um, accommodations, or were, was that not really a thing back then? Or What I received was through the Textile Foundation at Georgia Tech. Was, uh, it just paid all my tuition. Okay. It was the time when you know, it was only about 250 bucks a semester. But <laughs> Uh, myself, I, I've been at Dalton all, well, six years now. I came uh, during my sophomore year in high school uh, through a program. It was originally called uh, Move On When Ready, but very shortly after they changed it to uh, something called Dual Enrollment. So during my, it was, it was right, I finished sophomore and the next day I went to college. In fact, I went last week both days and uh, I received an Associate's Arts uh, Best Graduation Year 2020. So, uh, and then, thank you. And then, uh, like I said, I'm finishing my um, business management degree, which wasn't my first choice, but here I am in, in December. So it's been a long way for me. Uh, I do receive accommodations mm. academically, um, such as captions and stuff like that, just to help me. I don't receive any funding, but I do receive scholarships and all that. Um, so I'd like to know about your business. Uh, what is it and when you, why do you enter the field and what do you do really? Well, after majoring in technical engineering, I decided after two years I did not want to be in the carpet industry anymore. And one of my uh, fraternity brothers from Young Harris College, his dad owned an oil company in Atlanta. And I said, well, I'll just start selling oil to the carpet industry. And I started as an independent agent for a beam oil company out of Atlanta, Georgia, which is no longer there. And within a year, I sell more oil up here than they could deliver. So I Went in with a friend of mine and started a small warehouse, and we were a Union 76 distributor. And I did that for two years and built it up. And then we were bought out 
by a company out of Baltimore, Maryland. And I ran it for two years here in Dalton. That's actually when I, when I fell, I had my accident. I had a deer hunting accident. I fell asleep in a deer stand and broke my back. Well, after I got out of the hospital, I came back and the, the company that bought me out said, well, you're handicapped now. Just collect disability and go on. Well, that wasn't my cup of tea. So I called a buddy of mine that was a, had an old distributor here in Dalton and I said, you want a partner? And uh, he said yes, because I'd about put him out of the oil business. <laughs> I'd gotten all his business. And uh, and I did that work for a local company here for 29 years. And built that up, being fuel, lubricants, and gasolines. And uh, then I left and went in partnerships with a company in Calhoun who's up for sale. Went in with it, uh, Southern Lubes and Fuels, the name of it. It was North Georgia Lubricants then. I've been doing that for seven years. And uh, it's been really good, been really good for both of us. Uh, but right now, it's the toughest times I've ever had. Like I told you, I'm, I'm, not, <clears throat> I'm used to competition, but I'm used to fighting the government too. The government's mm-hmm. trying to put fossil fuels out of business, and that's my living. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't realize, you know, that you got to have fossil fuels to run locomotives, barges, cars, but also lubricants for in, in, in industry. You know, we, we can't get a lot of additives right now, and it's just, uh, Prices, like everything, you see the price of the pump. Well, that's my life every day. Mm-hmm. I mean, the lubricants, uh, like I said, they've, got, they've more than quadrupled in two years. Fuel's done the same thing. Uh, it's killed my cash flow. But I mean, we're but our business is good, and I sell all the carpet industry, you know, all the all the big three. Uh, then we, then I just sell to fuel. I sell to end users. I don't do any retail gasoline. Anymore. I did Chevron for many years. But I just sell fuel to, like I said, utility companies, sawmillers, farmers, end users on fuel. Uh, that's just, uh, it's been my life for 42 years now, and it's, it's been good. Wow. It's been good. With that challenge of the government, I can only imagine, you know, do you see any way that local businessmen or women like yourself in that entry can, I don't know, fight? I don't, I don't know if it's the right word, but, you know, what, what do you think that you and fellow peers could do about that or really anything at this point? Locally, there's really nothing we can do. Just, you know, just take it day by day and hope we get a new administration. I'll leave it at that. Okay. Uh, so, well, were there any significant problems when you started uh, funding, managing, reporting of financials? Was there any major problems that you ran into when you first started? Just growth problems like everybody has, you know. You just try not to outrun your headlights. You try to, uh, you know, keep your powder dry. One of my best friends used to tell me about money. But the uh, main thing is, uh, what I do now is you got to watch your debt. you got to watch your receivables. Uh, I don't have time to chase my money. You know, so we try to have good customers, good accounts, uh, good service, you know. Not, not a big change. I don't have a big change over my business, but my employees have been with me for a long time. A lot of them I brought from the other company. So uh, I think we're keeping good people, good clean records, and stay on top of them. That's the main thing, especially to stay in time. Because, for instance, a load of fuel used to cost $14,000, now it's $36,000. And you gotta, gotta use a load of fuel every week. All of a sudden, he owes you $150,000. And they buy terms electronically seven days, it comes out of my account. The ACHs or EFTs, whatever you want to call them. 
So the biggest problem right now is, uh, I think with any business, is cash flow. Mm -hmm. Because raw materials have gotten so expensive. Uh, It just costs so much to run a truck. Even myself, you know, we sell about half a million gallons a month, but they only give me about 300. So we gotta give everybody just splashes, just keep everybody going, which is harder on me. I gotta run my trucks more miles. It's just it's just uh, harder to do that way. Live with that supply. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think is the greatest benefit of starting your own business? I mean, I imagine flexibility, of course, the profit. But what would be your big reason, big uh, benefits? You would say. <clears throat> I guess you know you're, you're your own boss. If something goes wrong, it's your own fault. Uh, Leads your problem with taxes, you know, with your, your expenses, you know, because of course now they cut out a lot of your expenses, you know, you can't deduct meals or anything anymore, and used to, you know, you'd run, I'd run a lot of expenses through the company, you know, but uh, it, that's gotten pretty strict. I think now you just know exactly what you're, deal, you're dealing with every day. There's no surprises. There are surprises, but that's just normal business. So you'd say consistency. Yeah. Basically being, okay. No surprises. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I bet there are a lot of things that Obviously, you you go on behind, but um, you know how would you describe being your own boss? I mean, are there things that you have had to do that maybe you couldn't do when you were an employee, like something, some safety precautions or insurance, obviously? Or well, you know, if you take a take a chance, sometimes you know it's it's all on you. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you have to do things that whew, I don't know if it, it's just a you got to be the leading edge, but sometimes you know you got to take you got to gamble. Mm-hmm. One of the seven habits of highly effective people, a lot of times you, you got to stick your neck out. And a lot of times you do that, and you know, sometimes it's good, and sometimes you get, you get your fingers cut. So I guess an entrepreneurship, like I said, you, you got to take chances. That's the biggest part of that. Uh, for this next section, I thought we could describe, um, you know, as, as both people with disabilities, I, I thought this would be a great segue. Um, with challenges and obviously as a professional businessman as and as me as a new fledgling uh, I thought we could discuss on that um, in your opinion are there any societal or more legal changes uh, that need to encourage doing, uh, positive business growth be it for the disabled or, or not well <clears throat> the ADA has come a long way I mean I, I've been in this chair for uh, 37 years now and uh Architectural barriers are one of the biggest obstacles out there for wheelchairs. But at the same time, when you know, you got your sidewalk curb cuts, you've got ramps. Honestly, I never complain about the steepness of a ramp or the speed of an elevator. If you've got them, thank you. But it's, uh, that's pretty much, you know, even on my business, I've getting a lot of, uh, I've got a full drive vehicle I get into if I had to cut a field to a construction site or a pipeline or something like that. And I just hook up my van and pull it behind me, so. Obstacles outside don't don't bother me too much, but it's uh, not that big a deal really. Like seeing mm-hmm. once you get around things, uh, just uh, most people are very courteous. You know, if they, if they see you coming, they'll open the door for you, you know, or or something like that. But uh, traveling is a pain, of course, especially flying. Flying's a real pain. Uh, flying, you know, you're if you're in a chair, you're the first one on, the last one off. Mm-hmm. So if you're making connection flights, that's tough. A lot of times with they put your chair in baggage, uh, <clears throat> but I don't. I don't fly much anymore. I do a little pri- private flying now. I've been lucky. I've had friends with airplanes, so it's a lot easier that way. You know, Dalton International Gate One. 
There so, you go. Yeah, so, <laughs> so it's a lot easier. Yeah, I I would agree that we've we've come a long way. I mean, my big thing is as a hard of hearing person captioning. You know, when when movies or videos don't have captioning and in conversation can be a bit of a pain to be an understatement. So I do think with you know, newer devices that that's gotten a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can definitely see coming from the ramps. You know how I I take it for granted sometimes, but at, you know. I don't think you'd ever take that for granted anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and we sort of spoke about this a little before the episode, um, but the nonprofit organizations you support, so Kiwanis, and, uh, can you sort of tell us about what you do and, and, and how you got how you got started with that? Well, like I said, being from Dalton, I, I knew you know most of the people here, but uh, I first got involved with the Creative Arts Guild because I was taking my daughter to dance lessons over there. And uh, they asked me, I said, well, we, we need somebody that's not in the arts field, that's in the business world, and they're on our board. And I told them, I said, I know anything about the arts. I said, I do know you can't spend more than you make. And they said, well, you're treasurer. So I became treasurer of the Creative Arts Guild right out of the shoot. But uh, I did that for a few years, and uh, like I started the Boys and Girls Club here in Dalton. Uh, and since then, we've started, uh, in 17 years, we started with 50 kids in Fort Hill Gym School. And like I said, 17 years, we've got uh, seven clubs in four counties and over 2,200 kids. Mm-hmm. So that's one of my biggest accomplishments locally here is uh, Boys and Girls Club. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I don't have maybe that that much of success in them, but I have, uh, I do a lot of stuff with Junior Achievement over there. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've taught lessons, I actually have an event coming up. Uh, next month, I've I was in Boy Scouts, and so we did a little bit of stuff with with the Boys and Girls Club. Some of our members were in it, um, so I, I definitely see the impact that organizations and support, like you know, from from firms like yourself, can really build that up. I mean, even in uh, even in churches, you know, some of our biggest in my church we have a canning drive, and some of our biggest sports are our local businesses. So. I don't. It's sort of an understatement of how much the impact, you know. Well, I did a visit. I did a visit the uh, JA Center a couple of weeks ago with middle schoolers. We had them all come in, and, and I did the. Uh, I manned the engineer floors booth, you know, and uh, we, we talked about that, and we had a hundred and I think a hundred and fifty-four kids come through, and the, that JA Center we have here is. Fabulous! Yeah, it's, it's, it's just up to, for us to have that facility here is just unbelievable. They've done a good job with it. But you know, and getting back to, to our churches, you know, I've served as deacon and elder at our church uh, for Christ Church on Tibbs Road. So it's been years it's been there. So now I'm back an elder again. I think you graduate after a while. You know, they <laughs> they, they put you at the pasture about three years. And they bring you back on. But. uh but also, I, I did a lot of work with United Way. I've done every job at United Way you can do from the bottom to the chairman. I was the chairman, mm-hmm. I think, 2006 or seven. And uh, United Way is a fabulous organization also here in Tallahassee. I think they work with 22 different nonprofit mm-hmm. agencies. And uh, they, they just, uh, we're really lucky to have United Way office and raise the money that we raise here in Dalton for the number of people we have here in Dalton. So I think everybody needs to really get involved in their in, in their community. And it's uh, it's just very rewarding. I just I see you know the boys and girls school I just left there a while ago from signing checks. You're just seeing the kids. You know it's just my payback for for doing the work over there. 
we've got a great facility here. If you haven't seen it, I suggest you go over and check it out too mm-hmm. on Underwood Street. Uh, sort of likewise, when we were talking before the podcast, you said you don't really have that much time to read a book, and you asked, "What is a podcast?" But uh, is there any sort of other entertainment, or, or have you read a book recently? And, and if so, <laughs> last one in high school, they made me read it. <laughs> hey, you didn't mention the Seven Habits of Effective People. Yeah, I did That's a fantastic that. book. Yeah, that is uh, that is a great book. Any particular story or, or lesson or habit from that that you? Kind well, of carry through your business. Well, like I said, just the part, you know, you have to be a risk taker. Mm-hmm. That one of the habits is being a risk taker, and that's that's probably one of the hardest ones to do because you really want to be careful. and You have to work hard for everything you make, and you, you're gambling. It's all a gamble in the long run, right? And so that that's one of the hardest ones, but that's probably the most rewarding one too because you gotta you gotta reach out there. But you also gotta be on the leading edge, so you get a lot of nicks on your nose, you know, when you're out there in the front row. Mm-hmm. And people are always shooting at you too when you're on the front row. They do. So that's true. I'm a I'm a big book person, so I'm just thinking, like, what is the what's not one I've read recently? So uh, I uh, I read a lot of books on economics, so I'm not, I read the boring stuff. <laughs> uh, I like to put this last question I have sort of in two. Um, the first one is is those who are disabled from the start uh, who want to become entrepreneurs. What is some advice you'd give to them? Don't let your handicap affect you. Mm-hmm. Just a lot of people I'm with, you know, once you're with them a lot and you work with them, they'll, they'll overlook the handicap, whether it's speech or hearing or physical or de- developmental, whatever it is, just forget it. <laughs> you don't get to make any more with it. So just uh, like you don't have it and do the best you can do and work as hard as you can work mm-hmm. every day. I think some of that same logic will apply to the next one, but for those who become disabled uh, while they're employed, you know, what, it, and I know they'll go through a, it's a shock. I can only imagine, you know, you go to one day, okay, as it were, and then wake up another, and you're like, I, I don't have, I can't do this. What, what's some, some advice, you know, that you can give them? Well, in, in my accident, like I said, I was unconscious for a while, and when I woke up, I looked around the room, and I didn't see anybody I knew. I don't know if I died. Anyway, if I was in heaven, if I was in hell, I wasn't sure. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I looked around and I asked the guy beside me, I said, and have I died? And he said, no. I said, am I going to die? He said, no. He said, but you're going to be uh, handicapped the rest of your life. I said, fine. I had a five-week-old daughter at home that I'd left. Oh, wow. At do business. And I said, <clears throat> thank you. So I never looked back. I just thank the good Lord for letting me live and giving me good from the chest up, you know. So that was that was the main thing. I just couldn't look back. You can't worry about the bad stuff. Just be thankful for what you do have. And that's what I did. And I actually grew my business from there. I mean, I, from there I grew every day for the last 37 years. So, so a trial by fire is... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's most of life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I sort of fit in between sort of both those last questions I asked. I uh, I was disabled from birth, but started getting worse when I was 16, 17. So I was sort of right in between mm-hmm. where I was already in college and realizing I can't hear. Oh, some days, some days I'm unintelligible when I speak. I, I, use, I know sign language. So it's like, what am I going to do? Uh, you know, because I had plans of being a doctor and they said, You've got color problems, you got vision problems, you can't do that. And so I, I know I had to sort of rework my way of thinking. So mm-hmm. uh, 
I mean, all this advice, even now, I mean, I've just began. So, I mean, all this advice from a person who's been there, done that, it's really, really useful. Well, I used to run a lot of heavy equipment, so I was in the bulldozers, tractors, airplanes, I flew. So, you know, you have to give stuff like that up, you know. I don't play golf anymore. But uh, you just you pick up on some other habits, you know, some, other, some of them are good, some of them are bad. Most of them you just shoot for the good ones. But it's, uh, you just learn to adapt. That's wonderful. I've enjoyed learning a little bit more about you personally mm-hmm. and your story. Um, I love that you mentioned the, the newspaper route. So um, mm-hmm. I grew up pretty poor, uh, and my mother did a newspaper route when we were toddlers. So I remember being in the back of the car before they made you sit in a car seat, and we would, yeah, be rolling them up for her and putting the rubber bands on them and handing them to her. And then every now and then she would let us throw it out the window. But she was like, you have to aim correctly. Otherwise, we have to get out of the car and go fix mm. it. Um, but the smell, I don't know if you've been back around it after all these years, mm. but whenever you smell that, it just it makes you sick almost. <laughs> well, I laugh because I've just now become the age I can sign up with Social Security. <clears throat> and I called in for my appointment and the lady says, uh, she got my name, Social Security number. She says, Mr. Renz, says, look, you made your first Social Security payment when you were uh, 13 years old. I mm-hmm. said, yes, ma'am, I remember it very well. I had a paper out. <clears throat> and at that time, Social Security was voluntary. You'd have to pay it. And my dad says, you know, Dave, so you need to pay that money because you need it. One day I said, Dad, 89 cents a week is a lot of money. Yeah. And that's what I paid in my first Social Security payment. was 89 cents a week. Wow. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> excuse me. That just shows you inflation. That was like you were mentioning your tuition costs, and I'm super jealous because mine was not that. (laughs) (laughs) I wish that had been my tuition. Um, But, you know, those things happen. And and what a cool way to progress through those universities and to see the culture in each one, and I'm sure that each one had valuable things that you took away from them. They they were all very different. Yeah. But I enjoyed all of them tremendously, but I'm still a Bulldog fan. Hey, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> They're champions right now, so yeah. it's a good time to be yeah. a fan. Um, let me see here. I was looking in. I, I love that you mentioned Boys and Girls Club. Um, we just did Boys and Girls Club summer camp last week with JA, mm-hmm. and so we actually yeah. led through some, those students through some entrepreneurship yeah. modules and had a blast with them. And they thoroughly enjoyed it, too. And they just they looked so forward to that. And once from last year, talking about this year, you know. Yeah. So <clears throat> we're going to wrap your number again this year. Finally got our pre-COVID numbers back in the club again. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm real happy that's back up and going. But our, our kids, it's just great. You know, you know, see when they get there off the bus, you know, they're happy to get in. And the parents come to pick them up. They either don't want to leave or they want to show the parents what they did that day. Yeah. It's just it's a rewarding part to me. I agree. <clears throat> I love being able to be involved with our mm-hmm. students, and that's such an important part of what we mm-hmm. do at DIA is yeah. working with our K-12 students. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, you mentioned United Way, which does incredible work. And, and one thing I would just say to our, <clears throat> our audience that's listening, please be like David and, and get involved. Volunteer your time um, as you can. And if you don't have time and maybe you have funds, you know, make donations when you can. It can be as small as $5 can make a huge impact for some of these local nonprofits. So I highly encourage you to get involved in any way that you can. Um, it doesn't have to be just one or the other. Um, 
but yeah, thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Um, enjoyed hearing about your business and how you got started and all these decades later, <laughs> um, you know, you're still throwing punches and yeah. fighting and keeping it alive. Um, it, it, we hear from so many businesses right now with rising costs and inflation and some of the legislation, <clears throat> just how difficult it is to really operate. Um, and that's something we continue to try to find ways to be able to assist. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that is such a struggle right now. And um, yeah, I just feel for our small businesses. Very much so. That's what makes Georgia up, especially the state of Georgia. Yeah. We have a lot of small small uh, business here. <clears throat> I was actually on the government camps. He had a team of uh, small businesses. I was on that team with him. Okay. We had Northwest Georgia. And we just tried to streamline what makes uh, a small business easier to get in business. Mm-hmm. Just streamline everything at the capital. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> that was an that was experience. COVID sort of messed part of that up, but it was a, we did a statewide tour on that with the governor. Very cool. So he was, he was very instrumental on keeping uh, the small businesses going in Georgia. Yeah, we're hoping that his office is working <clears throat> on making it a little bit easier to start food and beverage related businesses, particularly food trucks. It's quite complicated and um, we've heard some rumors that maybe they're working on that, trying to ease it up a little bit. So hoping, fingers crossed, that they'll do that because we would love to see more food options in Dalton. Yeah. Um, so we just got Jefferson's, but we would all like some additional things. Yeah. I think I hear about Italian every day. So yeah. <laughs> I know everybody wants that. And then Thai food's another one that yeah. comes up quite frequently. Um, but yes, thank you, David. Thank you, Xavier, for joining us today on the podcast. Uh, if you'd like to learn more about entrepreneurship or are considering starting your own business, please contact us at the Dalton Innovation Accelerator. Our phone number is 706-508-3243 or follow us on social media at Pitch Dia. Uh, this has been another episode of The Accelerator. Thank you for listening.